Today we finish up our series, Love Never Fails. The greatest of these is love. We've been in the book of 1 Corinthians as our launching pad and then looking at other places in the New Testament as to how Jesus would have taught us to live out these words that he inspired the Apostle Paul to write. So follow with me this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to just start reading in verse 1 to get us all back on the same page and help us to understand the context of where Paul is. So 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, I'll read through verse 5. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So he says it doesn't matter what you know, doesn't matter what you believe, it doesn't matter what you give or how generous you are. He says if you do it without love, if you do it from the position of self-promotion and not for the edification of others, he says you are just noisy. I don't want to be just noisy. So thankfully he keeps writing. He says, and this is what love looks like. He says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. Is not provoked, thinks no evil does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. And I'll read on to the end of the sentence. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So we have seen that love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, love is not proud. We've talked about all of those things, but today we want to use this word. Love shows respect. 1 Peter 2.17 says this. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Respect is a word that we hear thrown around a lot these days. You don't respect me. They don't respect this. This is not being respectful. And we hear it and we hear it and we hear it. So for our purpose today, I would like to give us a common definition. Could it be expanded? Yes. Could it be applied in other ways? Maybe so. But for our purpose, let's go one spot. It says this. For our purpose today, I'm going to define respect as showing value and honor to others by your actions. Value and honor to others by our actions. When we dishonor or devalue a person, we could say we have disrespected them. Common slang would be we have dissed them. But to respect someone is to show them value and honor. Interestingly enough, Gail and I heard a lady talking this week. Her name is Dr. Brene Brown. She's an extinguished, uh, extinguished, distinguished uh, 
professor. She's very much not extinguished, but distinguished. I just did not show respect. <laughs> she is a distinguished professor of sociology, social work at the University of Houston. And she said that the downfall of every society has been the dehumanization of people, of position, of social norms. And so we want to be careful that we understand what God has told us in His Word is that love shows respect. One man went on to say that we heard speak. He said, when you see someone, regardless of your position or regardless of your social understanding or your political affiliation, if you are offended when someone would disrespect President Obama, then you should be equally offended when somebody disrespects President Trump. Then he went on to make the comment, if you find it offensive when somebody disrespects President Trump, you should be equally offended if they disrespect President Obama. He says, because as Americans we respect the position that is in the order of the land that we live in. Now, you could go on if you hear them disrespecting a, a celebrity or if you hear them disrespecting this or a person or an individual or a group, those kind of things. We need to be there because as followers of Christ, it is not about what we think ought to be. It's about what God says it has to be. And he says, if you don't want to be a clanging cymbal and a noisy gong, then you need to show respect to people. Does that mean in just my words? No, it doesn't. Does it mean in my social media? Yes, it does. Does it mean that this or that? Absolutely. It says that we need to show respect. I believe that every person you meet, regardless of their position, their education, their race, their creed, their, their financial, whatever, that they have signs hanging around their neck. And the signs that they have hanging around their neck are, listen to me, show me that I matter to you. Please keep your word to me. Do I have worth in your eyes? And if you look closely, there's a sign that's crying out, would somebody please show me by their actions that I matter? You say, well, I'm pretty self-confident. You still want respect. Everybody wants to know that somebody values them. Ultimately, we know that God says that you matter to me, and God shows us respect regardless of who we are. But God put us in this world with people, and He says as His people, He wants us to show respect to one another. Do people feel better or worse after they have been with you? Do they feel inspired, valued, encouraged? Or do they feel worse, diminished, or unappreciated? Honestly, there's some people when I hang around them, and I'm ready to run out the door and tackle any problem I can face. And then there's some people when I hang around them, I'm like, oh. God says, be the person that inspires, be the person that encourages, be the person that comes alongside someone who is down and you lift them up. Jesus had a conversation. He was at a gathering. He was at a party 
with people. And it's in the book of Luke. Turn there with me. Luke chapter 7. And I believe we can understand what the scripture is teaching us about respect. I believe from this we can understand his heart and how he wants us to interact with other people. So Luke chapter 7. We'll start reading in verse 36. Luke 7, 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. That would be a little awkward. It would be a little strange to walk into a house and when you walk into someone's house, there's a prostitute that runs up behind you. She starts crying and then she pulls out this really expensive bottle of perfume, breaks it open, pours it on your feet and then begins to weep and then she starts washing your feet and then she begins to kiss your feet. So read it for what it is and then try to understand it in the context of your culture. If any of y'all do that in here, I'm going to go, Woo! Miss Lillian, come here just a moment. Just for one second. I want to help you understand something. Culturally, when you meet your pastor what, or someone that you respect or has authority, what do you do? But especially when you meet your pastor, what do you do? Now, can I tell you, it does not matter where we are or what we're doing, that that's exactly what Miss Lillian does to me. It makes me very uncomfortable because culturally, I did not grow up with that. And so we had to have some conversations about it. And she said, you need to understand that where I grew up in Nigeria, when you met your spiritual leader, that you did this. And I'm like, all right, if you got to do that, then I'm going to pretend like I'm Nigerian and I'm going to get lower than you do. So when she bows now, I do. But was it, for that moment, was it uncomfortable for me? Yes, it was because I didn't grow up that way. So you can imagine where Jesus was. I mean, it wasn't just someone that did this. But man, they started crying. Thank you, ma'am. Y'all give her a hand. Thank you for bringing it to us and being who she is. I appreciate that so much. But you can imagine what Jesus was thinking. This lady has lost her mind. Miss Lillian, i got to be honest with you. There were one or two times that I thought like Jesus did, okay? But then I began to greatly appreciate the humility that would say, this is not about you, but this is about my God. And we have reached an understanding. And thank you. 
But Jesus said, this is what I want you to do. So this lady is there. She's doing it. So how would we commonly show respect in our culture today? Um, Stand up, Chris. If two manly dudes meet in the street, okay? No, come here. Yeah, well, yes, no, no. Oh, that was wrong. That was not showing respect. He told him to sit down when I said manly. <laughs> All right, we might do this. We might, that's, that, that would be a way of respect. I acknowledge you. You matter to me. We might do this. What's up? That's cool. We might do that. Now, when we meet a lady, stand up, Miss Joy. Guys, you don't run in like this. That is not a sign of respect. So we do the Christian side hug, right? Bless you, my sister. It's good to be in the house of God together. That's an appropriate thing to do. It's a way that we show respect. We show respect with titles. Dr. This or Mr. That or Mrs. So-and-so. We begin to show those things. And so put yourself in that context. You're in somebody's house. And in somebody's house that you respect, that has a position, all of a sudden somebody that culturally, that is not respected, walks in and begins to do something that makes us all uncomfortable. Now, how is Jesus going to respond? Because ultimately, we want to respond in situations, social situations, like Jesus would when he was there, or he would not have taken the time to word it out for us. So here we go. She broke open the oil. She stood at his feet. She began weeping. She began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself. Now, I want to tell you, some of y'all speak to yourself when I'm preaching. You really do. Sometimes you do it with your... Um, eyes I wouldn't have said that or you do it by leaning over and nudging somebody and going (laughs) yes it happens so here's Jesus hanging out with a group of people something awkward's totally happening somebody does something and then the host of the party leans to himself and he says what in the world he spoke to himself saying this man if he were a prophet, now in this context, what is a prophet able to do? See what isn't, right? Or see what is without being told. So he says, if he was really who he said he was, he would know who's doing what's happening right now. Now i got to be blunt. She was a sinner. Y'all do know what that means, right? Somebody done let the prostitute into the party. That's where it goes. And she's known as that in the community. Everybody there is going, oh, this ain't just some lady that did this. This is the type lady that would live this way. And he says, this man, if he were a prophet, would know and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus who was a prophet, answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. So Simon's over here having this conversation with himself. If he was really Jesus, he would know that that lady 
who acts this way when she's not around him is doing this to him. Jesus knows what's happening. And he says, Simon, I got something to say to you. And Simon's a Pharisee. He can't let Jesus see him sweat, right? Because he is the one that knows. He's the one in charge. He's the religious leader. Everybody in the room is looking at him. And and how's he going to respond? And he doesn't respond in humility, but he responds and he says, Teacher, go ahead and say it. Let me hear it. If you got something to say, bring it. So he said, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed him 500 and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay him, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and Simon and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And you gave me no kiss. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil. But this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, because she's done all of this, therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. We all come into the room wearing the signs. We all come in to the situation with a past with a preconceived notion with a cultural norm and so the challenge for us is to learn how to express and show respect to other people regardless of who they are regardless of what they believe regardless of what they've done what they have what degrees they have hanging on the wall If we're going to be who Jesus is, then we've got to respect and love those people. Because let me tell you, the quickest way to cut off dialogue with anybody is to disrespect them. Would you you agree with me? So we've got the challenge of learning how to show love and respect without compromising the truth. Now my experience tells me that people are okay with us disagreeing with them as long as we have the opportunity or they have the opportunity to say this is what I believe. I told you about a lady that I shared the gospel with. This was the most socially, morally mixed up individual that I had ever had a conversation with about the gospel. 
And if you sat through our Share Jesus Without Fear training for the gospel for evangelism, you know that the first question you ask them is, do you have any spiritual beliefs? And this lady had a lot of them. To be really honest with you, she had 45 minutes of them. And y'all know me. And you know where I would be at 4.5 minutes. Much less 45 minutes. And when she finished, she said, I can't believe you listened to all of that. And just like that Pharisee, under my breath, I said, girl, I can't either. (laughs) That's the truth. But because she got to say everything that she believed, and we got to talk about it, the next question is, who is Jesus to you? And she began to tell who Jesus was to her. And he was not the same understanding that I had of who Jesus is. But when we finished that whole conversation that lasted a very long time. She said, I want your Jesus. This lady and I did not agree economically. We did not agree socially. We, did, we were not connected educationally. There was nothing about us that would have put us into a common ground. The only thing that we had, the only hope that we had was respect. And she was very respectful. And the only hope that we had to connect was that God would empower me to have respect. And He did. I have told you about my friend that, um, who has a different sexual orientation than I do. And we hang out and he's one of the nicest people I know. And he loves members of this church like nothing I've ever seen. One day he said, I'd like to talk to you. And I said, okay. He said, can we go to lunch? When we got in the car and he said, where do you want to go to lunch? I said, well, I want to go to lunch where y'all go to lunch. And he knew what I was talking about. It was an open dialogue. And so we went and we had lunch. And I looked around and I thought, I'm probably the only one here that's not of his persuasion. And he said, are you uncomfortable? He was respecting me. And I said, yeah, I am. He said, you stepped into my world. We finished lunch. We went to this really cool chocolate place. Chocolatier, what's the name of it? Cacao? I'm talking about a Hershey bar is $15. Not really a Hershey bar, but it's what it looked like was a Hershey bar. And he said, I'd like to buy you a Hershey bar. And I'm like, okay, let's have one. When we got in the car, he said, can we talk about your God? And he began to tell me about things in his life that had turned him off to God as I understood him. Hear me. The truth, don't compromise it. Respect, don't compromise it. Sit down and have conversations with people and be secure enough in the God that you serve to love them right where they are. And God says, I will strengthen you. I will empower you. So this is where we are. So how do we do it? How do we address these signs that people have around their neck? I believe that this passage of Scripture does that. Sign number one, a stop sign. It means stop talking and listen to me. 
Go back to verse 36 when it said, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and she began to wash his hair. Jesus stopped, and he listened to the woman. Can you imagine with her profession that very few people had ever stopped and listened to her? Very few people had seen an individual. They had only seen an object for self and selfish gratification. And here's Jesus, the God of heaven who came to earth so that those who were on earth could go to heaven. He sat down and he let this lady matter. It was a stop sign. Listen to me. This lady is weeping because she knows that the lifestyle that she is in is not the lifestyle she wants. But she's there. She's trapped. She's confined. She's in jail. She's in prison. And Jesus said, I came to set the captives free. But you can't set the captives free if you're always ignoring them. He found a person. He saw the individual. He looked beyond the sin to who she could be and who she was not what she did in verse 39 it says that and stood at his feet behind him weeping and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and she kissed his feet and anointed them verse 39 now when the pharisee who had invited him saw this he said what is he doing so i want to ask you this morning when you encounter culture, when you encounter this world, is your response to them going to be one of respect and value and I will listen to you? Or is it going to be, you're ridiculous, you don't matter, get away from me? And yes, it can be with your eyes. Yes, it can be with your words. Yes, it can be with your social media. Yes, yes, yes. It depends. Whatever you're communicating. Jesus stopped and he listened to the woman. You say, no, the lady never spoke. And I would have to tell you, you're right. She never spoke a word. But he listened. And I would tell you that listening goes way beyond the words that someone says to you. It goes by their demeanor. It goes by their actions. I didn't tell you one thing about Miss Lillian's culture. There's a piece to the puzzle you don't understand. Here we know her as Lillian. In Nigeria, they know her as the daughter of the king of her tribe. They know her as Princess Lillian. She is literally royalty. And she see, she knows who she is. She's a daughter of the king. And as a daughter of the king, she can show respect as her culture shows it, even though it makes me uncomfortable. And can I tell you, when you know who you are, a child of the king, you can love the offensive, you can love the oppressed, you can love the vulgar, you can love and you can love and you can love and you can love because not one statement about that comes from them defines you. 
You are who God said you are, and you can be who God said you will be. And for much of my life, I lived it by everybody else's definition. You can't sit still. You can't listen. You can't learn. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. And all of a sudden, I began to think, no, I can't. And then one day, in 1980-something, God brought this person into my life that said, oh, by the way, I think you can. And then she began to say, and this is how you read. And this is how you study. And this is how you take a test. And this is not how you talk to people. yes I'm telling you there's like calluses over here because I say the wrong thing a lot and it's just that sweet little pat and I know what it means shut your mouth you're about to be offensive I want to tell you something at the right time God appointed the Son of God, to leave heaven, to come to earth so that humanity might know God intimately. And if we know Him intimately, then we can risk loving other people because He has completely and totally loved us. The question for us this morning Am I a good listener? Or am I an obnoxious, arrogant Pharisee? Jesus says, listen. Listen to the people. He said, to the least of these, what you've done to the least of these, you have done unto me. If we don't stop and listen... To our children, they will stop talking. And guess what? Let me finish the sentence. They will stop talking to you. They won't stop talking. They'll just find somebody else to listen. And that somebody else may fill them with everything but Christ. If, if we, how did they say it? If we stifle in our lives, if we stifle everybody who's talking and trying to speak into our lives, pretty soon we'll only be surrounded by people who have nothing to say. And at the moment that you get surrounded by people who have nothing to say, there is no accountability. There is no growth. There is no iron sharpening iron. There's stagnation. If you want to become stagnant and irrelevant, 
Stifle all the people that want to speak into your life. And then you become surrounded by people who have nothing to say. Jesus let this lady into his world. Since February, I have had either on my desk or in my pocket this button. Came from a quiet time. This button was simply what God said. Button your mouth and listen to me. It had to be God because I've never kept up with anything this small that long. But hear me. Button your mouth and listen to me. Let him speak into your life. Let him talk into you. Let him guide you, walk with you. Sign number two, the yield sign. It means yield your rights to serve others. When you are around people who want to be first in line, the head of the table, getting all the attention and have everybody waiting on them, you are not likely to feel respected. But if someone puts aside their rights and sacrificially gives to you, you really feel like you matter. It's the woo-hoo moment. This passage in Luke is one of those moments. The lady had put aside her shame. Jesus had put aside his position as God and said, Yeah, I will let you serve me. She said, I'm going to move past my sin. I'm going to move past my shame. I'm going to reveal so that you can heal. I'm going to step out of the dark. I'm going to step into the light. I'm going to reveal myself to people that I know might judge me, but I know that ultimately you will not judge me, and I'm going to reveal myself. And Jesus said, Lady, because you revealed yourself, your sins are forgiven. You have been healed. There are people who gather in God's house week after week, time after time, and we walk in and we want to be the Pharisee. Well, if you knew who she was, you wouldn't do this. You wouldn't do that. And this lady, far more courageous than the Pharisee, said, here am I, and all I have that I could even put in front of you is some tears, hair, and perfume. And you know, Jesus, all he ever says is, all I want is all you have. And in the middle of a dinner party, he changed her eternity. In the middle of a dinner party. He knew, Jesus knew, that on this day in 2017, that you would be sitting in this room to hear the story of a prostitute 
who kissed the master's feet. The yield sign. Yield your rights. Serve other people. Do we have to serve one another? No. We do not. But Jesus said, do serve one another. Do serve the community. That's why he would say in Psalm 84.10, it is a good thing to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Because you're opening the door for people. And sometimes we are physically the doorkeeper. Which, by the way, we need a greeter at this door every Sunday. Right here. Get here at 1030. Say, how you doing? To whoever walks through that door. That would be an amazing thing. So don't everybody rush it once. But next Sunday, when I look around the corner, it would be really cool if somebody, you say, well, what's the qualifications? Be there. What do I have to say? Let's practice. You ready? I want to train. This is Greeter Training 101. On three, everybody say hi. One, two, three. Hi. Bam. Y'all are a church full of greeters. Yep. Now, we're going to practice the exit. You ready? Thank you for being here. One, two, three. Thank you for being here. Now, y'all are like high-level greeters. Like somebody might pay y'all to greet. But really, we do right there every Sunday. We need that. That would be an amazing thing. The yield sign. Better to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 15, And I will very gladly spend and be spent, and notice what he says, for your souls. Doorkeepers physically open and close the door. Yes, they do. But doorkeepers also emotionally relationally open and close the door so that people feel like they have access into the place where Christ is. So it's a stop sign. Do I matter? It's a yield sign. Surrender your right to serve others. How do I serve others? And I'm going to do this quickly so you just write in the blanks. Do not keep score. When you do an act of service for someone, Don't make them feel they owe you so many acts of service back. Just do it. Show common courtesy. Respond without reluctance. I don't know how it would go at your house. But sometimes at my house, there's one of us that when we are asked to do something, We go, okay, that does not communicate service. That communicates irritation. That communicates disgust. That communicates, I don't want to do it. We want to be eager. We want to welcome people. We want to grab them, greet them. We want them to know that we are glad that they are here. She quickly gave her oil to Christ. David said this 
in 2 Samuel 24, 22. I will bring no offering to the Lord which cost me nothing. He says, if my offering does not cost me, it is not an offering, it's excess. And what do I do with excess? I waste it. He said, I will do nothing, bring nothing to the Lord that cost me nothing. So with my time, is it costing me something when I bring it to the Lord? With my talent, with my time, talent, tithe, whatever it is, all those things, is it costing me something? You want it to be an offering? Jesus says, I love a cheerful giver. Then look for ways to... By the way, Russell, do you have enough men for Saturday to be greeters? And we need... We need 15. We have nine men that have signed up to serve Saturday at the ladies' conference. We need 15 men. That means six of you have an opportunity to take this message and apply it to your life and be like Jesus on Saturday when ladies from all over this community come to hear to be encouraged in how to walk with the Lord. So let's practice again. If you want to be a greeter at a high level, first thing you say is? Second thing you say is? Oh, man, so I know there's six in here. So Pastor Russell, at the end of the service, has the piece of paper. I need six guys, and that would be amazing. You say, how old do I have to be? If you're in here, you're old enough. How young do I have to be? If you're in here, you're young enough. So we need that to happen this Saturday. All right, thank you. All right, now, so we respond without reluctance. Number three, no U-turn. It means you keep your promises. Go to verse 48. Where verse 48 says this, Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. How many times have you told someone you would do something and you really meant for it to happen, but the commitment was made in a hurry or to pacify and later was forgotten? People want to believe in us. But when we start making U-turns, their confidence begins to fade. I heard a man say recently, very few people have left the church because of Jesus and a whole lot have left because of us. No U-turns. Keep your promises. Be what you say you'll be. Do what you say you'll do. And if you have a problem keeping that commitment, this is what I have to learn because it will flow out of my mouth so quickly, is that button, where's my button? I need that button that I've lost. Ooh, I knew not to bring that and show you all my button. Um, it was a good button. I loved my button. Bam! My button. This is my button. Don't make a promise so quickly. Process it. Think about it. Is God calling me to do this? Do I have time to do it effectively? Do I have the resources to do it completely? 
because as an ambassador for Christ, you are representing Him. No U-turn. Your sins are forgiven. That was what Jesus did for this lady. But let me give you a couple of other places in the Bible where God made a promise and He kept it. You remember Noah? The world had turned evil. And Noah was to build an ark. He built the ark. It started to rain. When the rain had dried up, the water had dried up, God gave him a what? As a sign. A rainbow as a promise to say, I will never do this again. Let's think about 99-year-old Abraham and 89-year-old Sarah. They had a visitation from, from God. And what did He promise He would do from them for one year from that day? They would have a child. Do you remember what the sign was? It was circumcision, sorry. That's not, that's not a, really a good word to yell out in church. Circumcision. It's like, hmm, I get it. But God kept His promise. I mean, have you ever thought about Abraham and Sarah and a baby? I mean, there was not a tooth in the house. I mean, think about it. There wasn't a tooth in the house. They were like the only people at Walmart shopping for Pampers and Depends at the same time. I mean, this was some rough stuff going on. But yet God said, this is what I'm going to do. And then Abraham said, God, Noah got a rainbow. I mean, sheesh. Yeah, no U-turn. Scenic route. It means slow down and take time to see me as God sees me. What did the Pharisee see? Not rhetorical. What did the Pharisee see? A dirty prostitute. That's what he saw. What did Jesus see? A precious soul, a woman, not who, what she had done, but who she was. That Psalm 139 applied to her, that she was made and knitted together in her mother's womb, and he knew all about her. And he knew Jeremiah 29, 11 for her. I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a future and a hope. Jesus saw what he came to die for. We want to be like Jesus at Mount Zion Baptist Church. Because when we take on the Pharisaical attitude, we are screaming, you are less. Sandy Patty, who was a lady, may still sing, I have no idea, but she sang a long time ago, I know that. And she had a song called In Heaven's Eyes. And it said, In heaven's eyes, there are no losers. In heaven's eyes, there is no hopeless cause. Only people like you with feelings like me. In heaven's eyes, there are no losers. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Valued enough 
that Jesus died on the cross for you. Went into a tomb for you. And he rose again for you. And he ascended to heaven and is now seated at the right hand of the Father for you. For some of you, that is the hardest thing in the world for you to believe. For some of you, it's like, heck yeah, I deserve it. For some of us, the hard thing for us to believe is that he did it for the prostitute. But yet through this passage, he said, I did it for her. So at this point of decision, to be like Christ, some of you are going to have to, by faith, accept that Jesus loved you enough just where you were to die on the cross. No matter who you've been and what you've done. For others of us in this room today, we need to bring our snotty, arrogant, offensive, judgmental attitude and lay it at the altar and say, Jesus,